well. Hello again. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, church, hey, we have been in this awesome series called Legacy. Ordinary people, extraordinary God. This is week seven. This is the last week. We're wrapping it up. And our prayer and our hope is that throughout this series, you got a chance to see some characters from the New Testament, maybe in some new light, maybe in some ways that you haven't seen before. And maybe there were some just nuggets that you were able to, to hold on to and learn and grow and appreciate. Why? Because church, we're living our lives right now. We can't put the pause button on our lives. We're in constant motion. And what that means is we're making choices day after day. We're letting our actions show who we are. And what do we want to do for our kids or for the next generation? We want to pass on a spiritual legacy to, our next, to the next generation that shows the importance of why we follow God. We don't just do church to do church or to check it off or to think that somehow we can attain God's love through it. But we live a life called by God to keep in step with him and to love others as he has loved us in such a powerful way. And our story can be a testimony to God. We can point people to God through our words and actions, or we're going to drive people away from God with our words and actions. And the prayer has been through this series that our lives, that these stories, that these characters in the Bible that were given to us to learn from would make an impact on our lives. Well, today, here's how we're ending it. We're ending it with a smorgasbord. 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 Is that how you say the word? I don't know. Anyways, it's going to be a feast. It's going to be a feast, right? We are taking a look at some awesome, awesome ladies of the New Testament. I've entitled this message, Faith Walkers, Women on Mission. And we're going to take a look at a number of little stories of women who are placed in the Bible who have importance, and there are things we can learn from them. So think of like when you're eating a feast, we're going to go up and we're going to get our salad and some bread now. Sounds good? All right. So, hey, if you want to, you can turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. This first story that we're going to look at, we're talking about a warrior. Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 21, follow along and listen as we hear from God's holy word. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and is suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter 
was healed at that moment. Today's first encounter with a woman emphasizes the journey of a warrior. You know, Jesus was simply looking for a moment to rest out of Israel, away from the teachers of the law. And he found himself in this region where a Canaanite mom found him and using very important messianic words like Lord and son of David, tried her hardest to have him heal her demon possessed daughter. The text says Jesus was silent. He kind of wondered what's going on through his head. Is he concerned about what this lady is, is doing right now? Or is he thinking, all right, here's another teaching opportunity for my disciples and those around who are willing to listen. Jesus was silent. His disciples are urgent, but simply, oh, Jesus, will you just please deal with this lady? Send her on her way so we can keep going forward. Well, I believe Jesus reminds his disciples that he was sent to Israel first. That's why you get this phrase, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. You might be thinking to yourself, ooh, 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 Jesus, I thought you're about everybody. How can you be saying I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel? Well, look at the time frame of Jesus' ministry. He is still on this earth. He is with his chosen people, with his disciples, and he has now gone outside of the area of Israel to a foreign land. And this was Jesus' ministry, his first opportunity was to reach out to his people, the chosen people that God picked way back in the Old Testament with Abraham. And he said, hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm at this point in my ministry right now. I'm not yet ready to open this up to the world, but we know God's plan. God's plan is for everybody to be saved. So we shouldn't see a Jesus who is um, selective in who he wants to help or who he wants to save but we see a Jesus who I believe wants to teach a lesson like he always does. Well, Jesus uses this beautiful word picture to answer him. Why would I give the children's bread to the dogs? Man, really? Are you sure, Jesus? That doesn't sound very nice. Well, think of it like this. The bread can signify the blessing. Why would I give the blessing that I have for Israel right now to the dogs, dogs were sometimes in their day called the Gentiles. Why would I do that? It's not right. It's not my time yet. And what does this woman do? The woman uses the same word picture and continues to ask for help. Don't you know that even the dogs crave the crumbs from the master's table? Look, Jesus, I'm not asking for a full on blessing of everything. I'm just asking for a, a small thing here. My daughter is sick. She is possessed by a demon. I need help. I know who you are and I believe you. And what does Jesus do? Wow. Woman, you have great faith. Even though she was not a Jewish woman, she was a Gentile, she's a Canaanite, Jesus saw an opportunity to teach a lesson and to help this woman out. Amazing what Jesus does. Amazing what this woman did. And in fact, if you read any part of Matthew here, man, Jesus is just coming from a time where he has been battling with these faithless teachers of the law. And to see this stark contrast of this faith of this Canaanite woman is amazing. Well, 
This warrior model gives us some life-giving lessons that are going to help us in our own steps of faith. So here's a couple lessons from this warrior model. Number one, the problems in our lives should lead us toward God, not away from him. The problems in our lives should lead us toward God, not away from him. Let's be honest. Can we be honest for a moment? When problems come in your life, how often do you run to God? How quick do you, is that the first place you run? Sometimes, depending on the problem, hmm, you're going to try other avenues. We try other avenues. But we can't let the problems in our lives shift us away from God. We need to be, they need to be leading us towards God. What would have happened if the woman would have given up? Okay, fine, whatever, I'll go back home. She still would have had a big problem on her hands. Yet she chose to dig deeper into Jesus. What happens when we give up? What happens when we decide to try to handle our own problems on our own, in our own strength? If you've ever been there, and I've been there too many times that I want to admit, it's failure, it's stress, it's, it's anxiety. It's filled with a whole lot of strife when we try to handle things on our own. Number two lesson, the hardest times in life often lead to the greatest moments in your life, of your life. The hardest times in life often lead to the greatest moments in your life. You know, getting out of your comfort zone can produce the greatest growth in our lives. This mom didn't have to seek Jesus out, but she chose to because she chose to fight for her daughter as a warrior would. You know, it's easy sometimes for us to stay within our comfort zone where we're comfortable. It is so hard. I mean, who, who enjoys, who wakes up in the morning saying, God, you're giving another day. I can't wait to get outside my comfort zone and find out how I'm going to grow today. I mean, how many of us are like that? I'm not even sure I'm like that. Okay. (laughs) It's just our comfort zone is where we're at. It's where we're comfortable. But you know, if we stay in that comfort zone, we're not going to learn very much. It is only sometimes by stepping out of that comfort zone, maybe into some hard times where it leads to great moments in our lives and it produces more faith. It produces more wisdom. Some examples. How about the issue of parenting a hard child, no matter what the age of that child, whether they're young or whether they're an adult, stepping into that hard moment can lead to great moments in your life. The loss of someone or a loss of a job or even a struggling marriage, a husband and a wife who are just at a point where they're not sure what to do, that's a hard moment. That is outside the comfort zone. And we have a choice to make. And the hardest times in life can often lead to the greatest moments of your life. Number three, tough situations build strong people. Tough situations build strong people. Again, it's not the easy moments of life that build us. It's those moments where we have to make some hard choices. It's moments where we need to lean into Jesus harder that help us become stronger. So church, don't be fearful of those tough times when they come. See what this woman did for her daughter. She kept pushing and pushing like a warrior would fight for what they believe in. The fourth thing is don't get lost in the daily details. Rather stay focused on the final outcome. 
It is so, so easy to do this. There is so much going on in our lives, so many plates that we're spinning in the air that we can just be so focused on the here and now and present and being like, I just got to get through this. I just got to get through this day over here. I got to deal with this. Now I got to deal with this, that we lose sight of the picture down the road. And sometimes dealing with these daily details can, can get us our focus away from the final outcome. This mom wanted a healed child and nothing was going to get in her way. How many times do we get stuck in the here and now and lose sight of that final outcome? So learn from the warrior model of how to fight, where to fight, and what to fight for. All right, salad and bread were good. Time to go up and get some meat and potatoes from the salad bar or from the food bar. Guys, our second lady comes out of Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 40. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 40. And this lady we're calling the giver. Starts like this in verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting in their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came in and put two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. Our next encounter with a woman in the New Testament emphasizes the importance of being a giver. Jesus had just given a talk about the wealthy, wealthy teachers of the law. Beware of these people who say these wonderfully big expressive prayers who flaunt around their clothes and robes and they want to be the center of attention. Beware of these kinds of people. They are a danger. And he sits down in the part of the temple where the Jewish people are going to deposit their free will offerings or contributions. As a matter of fact, he was in what's called the court of the Gentiles within the temple the place where the exchange of animals and goods and services would happen. Everyone is welcome in the court of the Gentiles. Now Jesus goes into what's called the court of the women, where there is probably a dozen or so receptacles that people can come and drop off their offerings. Why is it called the court of women? Well, because after that, as you proceed further into the temple, women are now not allowed. It's the farthest women can go. And Jesus sits down with his disciples and he does one of my favorite activities when I'm on vacation at the beach, people watching. Does anyone else like to people watch? Uh, it is just so fascinating to just watch people, right? I mean, not in a creepy way. That's kind of, but it's just, it's fun to people watch, right? Well, Jesus sits down with the disciples and he just starts people watching. He's watching as people are putting in gifts. And, and, and some people, they're loud, they're big, they're boisterous. They're putting in their offering. They're making sure everyone around them kind of sees what they're doing. Like, hey, look what I did. All right, right. And then what does he spy? He spies something completely different. 
he sees this poor little widow who just kind of probably slowly walks up to one of these offering baskets and drops in just two small coins. And these coins, if you do the math and you do the ratios, all that kind of stuff, it's like less than a couple pennies. It's not even, it's not even worth an offering. Yet she goes up and she drops these two coins into the offering. And Jesus goes, ah, yeah, here's a moment. Here's a moment where I can teach my guys. And he says, look, look, do you see this woman? Look, look what she did. Yeah, it's not much. It's really kind of just about nothing. But guys, everyone else in here, look, they're doing it out of their wealth. They're doing it out of what they have. They're doing it off the top. They're doing it. It doesn't cost them anything. But this little woman, widowed, probably left alone. Who knows how long she's been widowed? She gives everything because she gives out of her poverty. This sacrificial devotion and faith that we see from the giver. Well, church, there are lessons we can learn from the giver model. It shows us that our lives need to be so much more about giving than receiving. Number one, giving requires faith, but it develops character. Giving requires faith, but develops character. You know, giving that comes from that place of uncertainty is not easy. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been doing your, your, your monthly finances and you get that bill and you look at your bank ledger and you're kind of going, mm, how is this going to happen? You're not quite sure. Somehow you figure it out. But it's that uncertainty, that, that, that place of uncertainty, that that's where this kind of giving comes from. This giving comes from, God, I'm not sure. I'm going to trust you. And this woman gave everything she had. Giving that comes from a place of uncertainty is not easy, but it requires faith. But this faith helps grow our character. If we do what we do, if we give, and, and let me pause and just say, I don't believe this is just about money. I don't believe this is just about giving to the church or whatever. I believe this is just about the idea of giving ourselves service included. If we give out of a place where it doesn't cost us too much, what are we really learning? How are we really building our character? But if we give from a place where, ooh, this is going to cost me. You know what? I am going to serve in this area. It's going to cost me my time, maybe with my friends or my family over here, but I really feel God calling me to serve here. I'm going to do it. It is going to build your character. Trust me. You're going to get so much out of it. As a matter of fact, number two, no one has ever become poor by giving. No one has ever become poor by giving. The blessings that we receive are priceless. You know, things like serving in the church or tithing or friendships made. You know, on the lines of no one has ever become poor by giving. Um, two weeks ago, uh, my family and I were on vacation and we were up at Camp Orchard Hill. And I was asked to be the guest speaker at their elementary roots camp. It was awesome. There was 150 kids. And that week alone, they have overnight camp and they have day camp. 
They have three different chapels that are going on through the day. And when I go up and when I'm offered, when I get to speak up there, I say, hey, I'm, I'm here to work. Put me to work. I think throughout the week, I did 16 talks, 16 uh, chapels. And let me tell you, I don't share this to be like, oh, hey, look how cool Pastor Daryl is. What I'm telling you is I worked and it was hard, but I still considered it a vacation. Why? Because at the end of the week, at the end of the week, when these kids got a chance around a campfire to say, what has God taught you this week? Man, it was awesome just to hear the things that God are speaking to these elementary kids. And again, I'm just a person. I'm a guy that God's using to speak into them. But to give like that, and let me tell you, the beds up there are way not comfortable, okay? So I had to give a lot, okay? I had to give a lot. <laughs> but when you give from that uncomfortable spot, guys, we, we don't become poor by giving. We should know that. This is something we should know. Number three, only by giving are you able to receive more than you already have. Only by giving are you able to receive more than you already have. Look at the example of Jesus, the ultimate giver who gave his life on a cross for us. When we give, we're able to receive more than we already have. This is what we can learn from the giver in the Bible. Well, your stomachs might be starting to get full, I understand, but this is a buffet. There's still more that you didn't get able to put on your first plate, so you're going back for your second plate. Next, we're talking about the dreamer. Church, turn to Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. This encounter with a female is going to sound a little familiar from last week. Pastor David touched on this character. Matthew chapter 20, starting at verse 20, says this. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus and with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him, him being Jesus. What is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. And when the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Well, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Our next encounter with a woman shows us the nature of this ambition. This mother of James and John asks Jesus to give them the most important seats in his kingdom. Why? Jesus is always talking about his kingdom. And I believe that these sons and this mom got together and there was a plan hatched to say, all right, let's get in there. No one's asked yet. Let's ask for the most important seats. And the mom says, hey, please allow my sons to have the most important seats in your kingdom. Jesus says, guys, 
guys, you don't even know what you're asking. And of course, I imagine these two buffoons of gentlemen going, yes, we do. Yes, we can. We can handle it. We see what you're doing, Jesus. We can do exactly what you're doing. And Jesus says, you know what? Uh, You don't know, but yeah, you will. You will, but it's a whole different story. But you know what? These spots aren't for me to give. It's for those who are prepared by my Father in heaven. And then, of course, this whole experience that is unfolding in front of their eyes, the other 10 disciples see, and what do they do? Well, I didn't get, how'd they ask for this space? That's not fair. I want that space. And the grumbling started happening. So Jesus, again, sees a teachable opportunity. And he says, boys, come down. So listen, this is how the world works. People in authority kind of make it known that they're the boss. That's not how I want to teach you. That's not how I want to teach you. You're not supposed to lord it over others. You want to be the greatest, then you become the least. You serve. As a matter of fact, just as a son of man came to serve and seek and save the lost. You know, what do we learn from this mom, this dreamer model? Honestly, I believe this dreamer gives us direction when it comes to what's next for us or our loved ones. In other words, like this, be careful of mixing up dreams with reality. I fully believe that this mom wanted the best for her sons, but I think her dreams kind of got mixed with what reality was. And she wasn't sure to kind of check herself and be like, okay, this is a dream. We have some ambition here but this is not the true reality of what's happening. And she got lost and just made a a, a poor decision. She wanted the best for her sons, but took her eyes off Jesus and it affected her parenting. Selfish ambition was her goal. Well, number two, a dream doesn't come reality through magic or dumb luck. It takes sweat, determination, and hard work. Dreams aren't a bad thing, but they should guide us into the future. They can help us stay grounded and looking forward. It takes work. So dreams aren't necessarily bad, but we have to be careful in how that drives our ambition. And number three, our dreams are going to have a positive or a negative effect on others. Church, what we do affects others. Oftentimes, when we're at home or on the road or wherever, and my kids are inevitably getting into some kind of quarrel, something dumb, they're picking at each other. I like to say this, and they're probably so sick of me saying this. I say, guys, you are in control of two things and only two things. One, you're in control of what comes out of your mouth. You have control over that, so I better see some control. And two, you can only control how you react to what comes at you. You can't control what comes at you, but you can control how you react. And then you control what comes out of your mouth. We, what we do, what we say affects others. If we focus on ourselves, we're gonna run into trouble. But if we model our ambition after Jesus, we will see dreams come true. It reminds me of this all familiar verse in Philippians 2, 3 and 5, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. 
looking not to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. You should have that, the mind and the attitude of Jesus Christ. Guys, dreaming is good, but at the same time, we have to make sure it doesn't drive our ambition to a negative area. Stay focused on Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. Let him guide your ambition. Let him guide your dreams. Well, we come to our last meal. Who's ready for some dessert? The most important part of the meal. Come on. Like, seriously? We all know the truth. We all know the truth. (laughs) But there's two other ladies that I thought I needed to include in this section. And there's a couple of verses here split between a couple of books of the Bible. This first book, this first verse comes from Acts chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. And it says this. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, which where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. And then if you turn to 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 5, it says this, I am reminded, this is Paul writing, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I, I am persuaded now lives in you also. Flip over to chapter three, verses 14 and 15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So this last couple ladies I call the influencers. Our final encounter with two women teach us that building into the next generation is of utmost importance. Timothy's mom, Eunice, was Jewish. Dad was Greek. We don't know much else. But we can make some guesses as to the spiritual upbringing of this young boy, Timothy, most likely was probably left to mom. And I think we can come to that conclusion because of the other verses we read in 2 Timothy. So his dad, who knows? We know he was Greek. Probably wasn't much part of his life. But the verses say people spoke well of Timothy in that area when Paul got to know him. Paul becomes to, uh, Timothy becomes to Paul his true son in the faith. So in a way, you kind of see this adoption of a father and a son, a connection here. These verses say that his grandmother Lois and his mother modeled this sincere faith to Timothy. These two ladies invested in this young man's life for some huge, huge outcomes. They taught him the Holy Scriptures, the why behind the what. Not just what the Scriptures said, but here's why the Scriptures say this. They led him into a relationship with Jesus. And then we see Timothy being a young pastor himself, ministering to a group of believers in Ephesus. Well, this influencer model should be the standard for what happens in our families. 
should be the standard. Number one, it is not just teaching our children what to think about the Bible. It's teaching them how to think biblically. Church, this is huge. This is huge. Not just what to think about the Bible, but teach them how to think biblically. Anybody can have an opinion about the Bible. Anybody can memorize some verses. Anybody can believe in God, Satan, heaven, hell. But only those who are walking with Jesus are going to have a lifestyle that depends on thinking biblically. Taking what you learn from the Bible and incorporating it into our lives. That's what these ladies did with Timothy. Number two, influence is leading with vision. Influence is leading with vision. There are people in our lives who we have influence over. Every one of us has people who we have influence over. Well, influence is leading with vision. So when you're talking with these people, what do you see? Can you imagine them years down the road? Can you imagine what awesome things God wants to do in their lives? I think of these, this grandmother and this mom just pouring into this son saying, man, we're excited, Timothy. We're excited for what God's going to do in your life. And man, he did some really amazing things with Timothy. Influence is leading with vision. And finally, we need to be about disciples, making disciples, making disciples. Have you heard that phrase before? Hopefully you should have. It's come up in past series. It's coming up in some future series. Church, next week, we get an opportunity to hear about the missions trips that God did this summer through our church. And I'm excited to hear stories and testimonies of what God did, how we are disciples, making disciples, making disciples. Then after that, we get a series in discipleship. And I'm really excited to see what God wants to teach us then. But church, as we conclude this legacy series, I'm hoping that just this smattering of some ladies from the New Testament has given you some nuggets that you can kind of hold on to and think about and process. Because whether we are warriors or givers or dreamers or influencers, God has a plan for you. He has a plan for you. And if we're following him, if we can learn from these characters in the Bible, apply things to our lives, impact the next generation, how amazing, how amazing God is going to get glory. So church, I pray this has been just a wonderful series for you. It has been for me. I've learned so much and I just appreciate, appreciate this church. So church, as the worship team comes up, we're going to close in prayer here. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we get the opportunity to just look into your word. We get to look at some of these characters that you've put in your holy book, the Bible. God, that there are lessons that we can learn from these characters, the interactions that they had with others or with Jesus Lord, there are things that we want to learn. And there's so much more than what we can possibly even talk about here on a Sunday morning. So God, I pray that you just give us the desire, give us the hunger to get into your word every day. Lord, to spend time with you, 
to watch and follow your footsteps, to see how you interacted with others, to take a look at your, your big story from Genesis to Revelation and see that, that you, you have invited us into this story. You have invited us to, to play a role that gives you honor and gives you glory. God, you've given us the tools. You've equipped us through your word, through the church, through others. Lord, help us tap into those tools. God, help us to make the next right choice. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to live a life worthy of you. Lord, help us to keep seeing the long picture. Help us to see what our legacy is, is being written right now. Help us to impact the next generation and for generations to come. Thank you, Jesus, so much. We love you. Thanks for loving us first. It is in Jesus' name we pray. In the powerful name of King Jesus, we pray. Amen. Brother Darrell, we thank you so much. So grateful for you. Church, be reminded that the same God who ministered in and through John and Peter and Barnabas and Eunice and Lois, he ministers in and through us. He makes us courageous and bold. He uses our gifts to bless and point others towards the cross. As we end our legacy series and we go out, continue the legacy that the Lord has prepared for you to give to your community. Would you stand together and sing boldly with us? I'm calling on the God of Jacob love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of Moses, the one who opened up the ocean. I need you now to do the same thing for
the same yesterday. He's the same today and he's the same tomorrow. He ain't changing. And he knows you and he knows what gifts and talents and skills he's given you. And he's asking you to be part of the story. He's asking you to leave a legacy for future generations. So church, now is the time, not tomorrow. Don't put it off. Now's the time to rise up and everything we say and do give him honor and glory. Amen. Amen. You're going to get to go to your mission field today. Church, as you're being dismissed, don't forget, lots of things to sign up for. Awana, women's Bible study, a guest luncheon. And if you follow your nose, it will lead you to food at 11 o'clock, okay? So church, be blessed. We'll see you back here next Sunday for Mission Sunday.